Touchdown Locked On Anaheim Ducks. The Coyotes pull off a stunning Game 1 victory. Former Ducks are flying high in Philadelphia, among other storylines in the first weekend of the Stanley Cup qualifiers. All of this on today's Locked On Anaheim Ducks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. How's everyone doing? Happy Monday to all of you, and the playoffs are officially here, albeit four months later than we originally thought, but playoff hockey is indeed here. As I welcome you to Locked on Anaheim Ducks, presented by rockauto.com, I'm Jason J.D. Hernandez, and I'm going to start off with a small disclaimer. I will be talking about the Coyotes exclusively in the first part of this podcast, mainly because, well, there is no Locked on Coyotes podcast. No one is covering the Coyotes here. So I will be pinch hitting once again and taking some of the reins talking about the Coyotes since they are the closest team to the vicinity. And also, I mean, there's already a Golden Knights host and most SoCal fans don't like the Golden Knights anyway. So I will be taking over briefly for that. Uh, Before we get into it, you can hear this podcast on Apple Podcasts. Google Podcast, Spotify, Stitcher Radio, or wherever you may find your podcasts. And make sure to rate, comment, subscribe, and follow us on Twitter at LO underscore Ducks or follow me at StimpyJD. So the Arizona Coyotes, they had a very inauspicious beginning to the uh, return to play. Their exhibition game went less than stellar. And in fact, I, on this podcast, along with Sarah Avampado, did not have them winning the series. In fact, we both had Nashville in, I think, four, maybe five. But we didn't expect Arizona to win that first game. That's because we both expected someone else in goal. I originally thought, well, I know the commentator said this might be UC Saros' time. I said, no, Pecorine is old, reliable. You got to go with him. Ducks fans have seen this before. When you put in a goalie that might be a little bit too young for the big moment, might be putting him in sooner than you would like to. 2014, I'm going to go back to that. Gibson. All right, John Gibson is a premier goaltender now for the Anaheim Ducks. Was it the right decision to put him in Game 7 of the 2014 playoffs? Most people would say yes, but hindsight is twenty twenty. Of course, if you all remember, the Kings wound up winning that Game 7 at the Ponda, and John Gibson learned a lot from that game. That was a career learner. Now, Gibson would go on to play some very big games later on in his career, and in fact, he was the cornerstone in goal uh, later on, 16, 17, 18. There was that deep playoff run. And John Gibson was one of the main goalies there. So you got to think, okay, is it really UC Saros' time? Because Pecorine looks pretty damn good in net on their exhibition game. Saros looked very good. And it was honestly a toss of the coin. I would have went with Rene. So as soon as I read that, I said, hmm, Arizona has a chance. And yeah, they did exactly that. Right away in the first period... It would be Derek Stepan behind the net, and this was kind of like a weird play from Taylor Hall, passing it over to the left side to Oliver Ekman Larson, and Larson shot it from the point, and it took a couple of weird bounces. Um, 
it bounced off of a natural player's stick. I want to say it was Kyle Turris. And then as it was veering towards the left, it ricocheted off. <laughs> this was a silly play. It ricocheted off of Matt Duchesne's body, mostly his shoulder, and kind of did a rainbow arc over the shoulders of UC Saros, and that made it one nothing Arizona. And that was a very wacky play altogether. And then only two minutes later, Taylor Hall would contribute once again on the assist. Uh, Phil Kessel also got a helper there. And that goal went to Christian Dvorak, who scored his first of the playoffs, making it 2 nothing Arizona right away. That one you might put on UC Saros. He probably could have stopped that one. The first one was a fluke. That second one, okay, defense didn't look good, but Saros could have had that one. And then... On the ensuing power play, and this was a bad penalty to, to take for Nashville, they were getting frustrated at that point because Matt Duchesne got called for holding, and this was the same player that got the puck bounced off of him. So Matt Duchesne is in the box, and right away Arizona would score maybe 40 seconds into the power play. Clayton Keller was left all alone right in the middle in between the two faceoff dots, and that made it 3 nothing Arizona on the power play. Yeah, Nashville was in trouble early on. But then Philip Forsberg, with about two and a half seconds left on the clock, scored the unassisted goal to make it 3-1 to one Arizona. That one, Arizona relaxed a little bit on defense. And you could tell that they relaxed because time was running out. They saw that time was running out. So they did what a lot of teams still do. They relaxed, they tried to get out of the period, and they got burned on that one. So Forsberg scored 3-1 to one on the power play. Then on the power play in the second period, Nashville, they had a great advantage, and they came close to cutting that lead in half. And then a couple of errant passes, and one of them went to Michael Grabner, who was off to the races down the middle of the ice, beating his defense beating everyone, and it was only him and UC Saros, and Michael Grabner didn't miss. Grabner with the shorty to make it 4-1 to Arizona. We've seen this before. Michael Grabner is a shorthanded wizard, especially with Arizona. If you guys saw Arizona with any regularity last year, Michael Grabner, he scored six shorthanded goals last season, which led the National Hockey League. He scored nine goals total last year. So he had three even strength goals and six shorties. Yeah, that's his specialty, especially last year. And the way he does it is he doesn't so much cherry pick, but he tends to go in between those two defensemen and he will pounce on any error that takes place right there. And it absolutely paid off. And I remember one of those goals being against uh, the Kings and another shorty that I recall was against this very same Nashville team. So the Preds have seen this before. Same story, but it's in the playoffs. And by the way, for the record, Arizona's first playoffs since 2012. And that was when they lost in the Western Conference Finals to the LA Kings. And that series was in five games. So that was after two periods, 4-1 Arizona. Nashville kind of clawed their way back. And they really peppered Darcy Camper there. They peppered him so much. It was 20-11 to 11 as far as shots on goal for the Nashville Predators. 
and they cashed in on two of them. Goals from Ryan Ellis and a power play goal from Philip Forsberg made it 4-3 Arizona. But Darcy Kemper was on top of his game. And Darcy Kemper, for better or worse, he's played here in SoCal before. He's an Ontario Reign legend, playing some of the season uh, back in the ECHL days back in 2012. And Darcy Kemper, he showed up big time for the Reign and helped them get to the playoffs that season. So Darcy Kemper is a bit of a SoCal legend. I use the term loosely, but he played well here. And he played well on this playoff game. He had some very big saves towards the end when Nashville was just peppering him. And there were some high-quality shots by Nashville, too. They could have easily tied that game. But credit the defense to Arizona and credit Darcy Kemper the most. I thought he played a terrific game. In my opinion, I thought he was maybe the first star. I'll take second star on that one. Dvorak got number one star. Kemper number two. Forsberg number three. But that would be your final score. Four to three. The Arizona Coyotes. Yeah, the lower seed. They beat Nashville to take an early one nothing lead in this best of five series. Yeah, shocked is a very apropos word here. We're going to head into the first intermission and talk about some of the other playoff series. But before we do that, let's talk about rockauto.com. And I actually saw a commercial for rockauto.com earlier today uh, during watching Channel 4 when someone else that was on the show previously, Nick Hamilton, was on. But I digress. rockauto.com has all the parts your car will ever need. And we're talking about all kinds of parts at incredibly low prices because they come straight from the website. No need to go to those big box stores where you're going to be charged way more money. In some cases, even double what they cost at rockauto.com. They have an extensive inventory date from cars dating back to the 1940s, even the 1930s. So if you want to spruce up your classic car, check out rockauto.com. And in the how did you hear about a section, tell them that Locked On sent you. So once again, that is rockauto.com. All the parts your car will ever need. And coming up after the first intermission, I'm joined by a special guest to talk about the rest of the series. Stay locked in. Welcome back to Locked On Anaheim Ducks, presented by rockauto.com. I have a guest. She's awesome. She's Sarah Avampado. She's too sexy for her own podcast, so she's joining me once again on this podcast. Sarah is, I can hear you laughing over there, but how's it going? It is going good. I'm watching hockey all day long, and I, I don't think I could ask for much more. That joke will never get old, will it? It won't. It won't. It absolutely won't. But we're going to talk about... All the other hockey that went on since I've already talked about the Arizona Coyotes game. And we talked about that on the national show. So if you want to hear that, listen to Locked on NHL or tell your podcast device or tell your smart listener to play Locked on NHL. Hey, give you your plug early. I'll give it again later. Nice. <laughs> so we have officially joined the Carolina Hurricanes bandwagon uh, because there's a couple guys on that podcast that... Love to have as many fans as possible. Carolina got off to a fast start on the very first game on Saturday. And there's one player that you love on that team since you're the host of Locked on Kings. And you got a bunch of messages about 
Justin Williams, didn't you? I did, because <laughs> very close to the start of the game, Justin Williams dropped the gloves. Of all the people, uh, he is not, you know, he, he's definitely feisty. He has had a, a history of getting into a couple fights every season, so it's not unheard of. But in game one of the Stanley Cup qualifying round for his team, I did not expect him to be the one to drop the gloves. And I didn't expect it to be against, like, Ryan Strom, which was, like, also kind of weird but yeah i legitimately got four four messages from people being like justin williams is fighting because everyone knows that like i love him and i i was i was very glad that people knew and recognized that about me and wanted to share the good word you're Uh, welcome that that was a big surprise you think you were surprised i was completely shocked he's normally mr game seven but i guess since there's no game seven in this series his circuits got wired so that mentality went to game one instead of game seven, which there is none. Uh, I was surprised at just the sheer energy that Carolina had. There was that massive hit at the start of the game. Then Slavin got that goal a minute in. Carolina had that game one right away. So I, I liked watching that. Go ahead. Yeah, they they I feel like had a lot of doubters to silence because of how poorly they performed against the Rangers in the regular season. So I think it was really crucial for them to come out, uh, you know, firing on all cylinders in game one and uh, game two, which is happening as we were recording this, uh, they, they get, the score is tied right now, but the hurricanes still are coming out with that same energy and that same, uh, you know, they're not going to let the Rangers roll over them. And so it's good to see that they are, uh, they're looking pretty good out there. Yeah, I mean, well, we both had Carolina winning this series, so we didn't overlook them. You know who we did Take overlook? Uh oh, we overlooked Uh-oh. Chicago. <laughs> we did, and we did. I'm gonna keep this short. One guy that killed the Oilers, and I hate to bring this name up, especially because we're from SoCal. Dominic Kubalik, fifth round pick. That's all I'm yeah, gonna say. I. Uh... Yeah, if you tune into Monday's episode of Locked on Los Angeles Kings, and also the last week, too, uh, I spent a little bit of time being all up in my feelings about how he could have been in a king sweater and instead is not. A fifth-round so pick. I like the Oilers being sad. On the other hand, really? Ugh. Ugh, I know. That guy. All right. Uh, what other series do we... Actually, there is one other series that I do want to talk about that kind of surprised me was Montreal versus Pittsburgh. I can't believe Pittsburgh kind of let that one go. They let it go. They had that one was a surprise. I feel like, yeah, they they had it and then they kind of choked and that like I that game was just not what I expected from either party, really. And a lot of it was Carey Price doing very well. And a lot of it was the Canadians' young players stepping up. Uh, Yasperi Kakaniemi did really well. Uh, Nick Suzuki, who I have talked about a lot with uh, Laura Saba from Locked On Canadians, like he scored a goal and was really impressive the whole game. Uh, Pittsburgh, I, I, I don't know what happened, but... I don't know. They had yeah. their opportunities in the third period, certainly. They had many chances to win it. And I got to give credit to Carey Price. He looked like the Carey Price of old. And Jeff Petrie had an amazing shot to win the game. But Pittsburgh had their chances. I'm inclined to say that it was more about Pittsburgh losing the game than Montreal winning the game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But we, yeah. we kind of... I mean, they, they could have won on a penalty shot. 
and they didn't. Oh, two penalty shots towards the end of the game. Both missed. <laughs> that was high drama. I I legitimately thought that penalty shot was going to go in. Didn't you? Oh, yeah. And then both both teams whiffed on their penalty shots. So, like, yeah, it was like neither team wanted to win it, I guess. <laughs> yeah, like, what is going on here? My God. Ah. <sighs> The Kulak penalty shot, the Jack Johnson penalty shot. I mean, what? <laughs> You've seen this before as a person covering the Kings. You've seen oh, Jack yeah. Johnson make these kind of, um, how can I put this? Sometimes he doesn't perform that well under pressure. He certainly had his moments or lack thereof in L.A. He makes some curious choices, let's say. That's the best way to put it. Curious choices. Uh, <laughs> you know what else was a curious choice? Oh, I'm segueing a lot here today. Um, all the goaltending changes have been curious choices to begin with. The Predator decision, the Rangers. I don't know what's going on there, but you have Lundqvist starting. What are some other curious goalie moves that you're kind of scratching your head about? Well, speaking of Edmonton, the choice to leave Mike Smith in for even longer than he was in uh, was certainly a head scratcher and it wasn't all on him. Uh, Certainly he has a reputation that precedes (laughs) him. uh, But I I also think that many of those goals could also be pinned easily on bad play from the Oilers. So I I can't, as much as I want to, I can't say it was a hundred percent Mike Smith's fault, but it seems like the kind of goalie pool that you would make, even if you're not trying to get your goalie out of there, you would pull him to wake up your team. And Dave Tippett waited quite some time to to get Mike Smith out of there, and then it was it was too late by then. Uh, and but he's already confirmed that he's going back to Mike Smith, I believe, for the next game. So uh, we'll see if it was him, if it was the Oilers. But that one definitely. The longer he was in there, and the more goals that got scored on him, I was like, all right. Give him the hook. Yeah. You can do it. And and they just didn't. It turned to the good, the bad, and the ugly uh, in the nightcap of Saturday. And the ugly came with the injury to Mark Shifley. Okay, this one, I still don't know how I feel about this one. So this happened as Matt Kachuk. And I messaged you about this one. Where mm-hmm. Kachuk may or may not have intentionally gotten a skate on the back of the heel of Mark Shifley, according to the Winnipeg Jets coach, Kachuk did it on purpose. Okay, I, I saw the replay. It didn't look intentional, did it? It didn't. And I I wonder if, I think that Paul Maurice has, was talking about a different view than any of us have ever had access to. You know, they of course get a billion different camera feeds. Um, and, and I think that, you know, unfortunately for Matt Kachuk, his reputation precedes him. And so even if it would be difficult to make that an int- like an intentional play with like intent to injury, even if it would be hard to do that, he doesn't get the goodwill of people anymore to be like, oh, it was unavoidable. And I, I think a lot back to um, 
a couple of years ago when Jeff Carter was injured in kind of a similar play. Uh, they haven't confirmed yet what what happened with Mark Shifley, but they've said that it won't be long term, which is really great news for him. Or at least one report has said it's not long term. Yeah. But I, it, it feels very similar to the play that injured Jeff Carter, where uh, someone on the Canadians, I think it was Jeff Petrie, uh came in got him against the boards and his skate clipped the back of carter's leg and you know we all know what happened from there like it took an incredibly long time for him to get back up to speed and it wasn't intentional it would have been impossible to make it intentional and regardless at the end of the day we still had a major injury and like if it were any other player who went into the boards with mark shifley and we had the same result i don't think we'd be sitting here being like oh, like he was trying to hurt him or, oh, like that was a dangerous play. Like, I think we'd be saying it differently, but also we don't have the full views that Winnipeg has been able to see. But we, yeah, we don't it just, have it all stinks. 32 camera angles. Right, right. It, it stinks all around. But like, I'm also not inclined to give Kachuk the benefit of the doubt. So no, I mean, looking at know. that replay, Kachuk <laughs> was playing the puck and he was trying to get that steal from Mark Shifley at the time. So it wasn't like he was taking a run at him straight from the bench to Shifley. It wasn't intent to injure, at least as far as our perspective goes. Because when you go in hard like that and try to pinch the puck as much as possible, you're susceptible to those kind of things. And someone that's been injured. I mean, I've had this happen. When you're close to the boards like that, you're susceptible to getting the big hit, but you're also susceptible to having that awkward fall on the boards or getting injured like that. I should know this. This has happened to me. <laughs> I, I don't know if that's happened to you too, playing hockey, but you've, you've, you've played hockey time to time. You want to avoid those kind of, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't move quite fast enough to, <laughs> uh, to, but, but you know, I, I've certainly seen it even in like beginner beer league games of you're up along the boards and you don't really know what's happening. Like, yeah, it, it is a, it's a play that happens and it's yeah. unfortunate and it's especially unfortunate for Winnipeg because Shifley is one of their, if not perhaps the most important player for them. They also lost Patrick Line to a wrist injury. Uh, and I believe yeah, and both. from talking to to Harrison from Locked On Jets, who is also going to be on the national show, so go check out Locked On NHL. Um, you know, or, uh, Line A is allegedly having to go see a specialist about whatever is is going on with him. So those are two major players out right now for the Jets, and you know, they, yeah, that, my prediction on this one might might have been uh, kiboshed. Not because of what I thought, which was Connor Hellebuck, uh, but because of unexpected injuries in literally the first game. Yeah, it's it's funny. I think that was the only series that we disagreed on mm-hmm. for different reasons. Not the reason that I thought. And there's a report that Line A is going to be out and Shifley is going to be out for game two. That's a massive loss for them. If they lose game two, I yeah. don't see them recovering from this at all. And no. that's a shame. Uh, there's another series that we haven't really talked about. And I'm surprised I didn't talk about this, so I'll just say this. Former Ducks are doing pretty well in Philadelphia. I got to give it up to Nate Thompson, who showed up big time against the Bruins. And the Elite 1C, he was kind of everywhere late in the game. Yeah, Derek Grant, remember him with the Ducks? He did pretty well. (laughs) Nate Thompson, I was a little bit surprised on that shot. He looked good. I'm surprised that Boston looked flat. 
Oh, yeah. They they did not look good. Um, when Nate Thompson scored, my entire Twitter timeline just, like, lit up with, like, Sorry. Nate Thompson, question mark? Like, everyone was shocked. And, like, you know, a- as he was also a former king, I was also, like, what the heck? Where was this guy? <laughs> um, but, yeah, I mean, that, that was a really good showing from Philadelphia. And I think that if if anyone thought that, like, the momentum that Philly had at the end of the season was, like, going to be gone or that they were going to you know, regress or anything. I feel like that game was a great statement game to be like, you can't underestimate them uh, with, with or without gritty, you know, gritty can't join the bubble yet, but uh, yeah, that, that was, that was a great statement game from them. And I'm looking forward to see, to seeing uh, how they do in the rest of their, their round Robin series. I I have a little bit of, a little bit of love for them. Ducks fans shouldn't be surprised. Nate Thompson was a very important part of those deep playoff runs in 2016 and 2017, especially that 17 run. Gee, there was that comeback against Edmonton. Yeah. He was an important part of those teams. I don't know why anyone should be surprised. It's not like he's a bad player. He's done pretty well. He was pretty important in so, okay, I'm done. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> no i i was shocked he's been in the league for yeah that game was years? something my god he's he's on the wrong side of 30 he's 35 <laughs> my god he's even older than i thought i thought it was 33 34 <sighs> uh one final game because i know we could talk about the leafs getting shut out and the canucks getting shut out and canada getting shut out yesterday <laughs> We could just laugh. <laughs> well, the thing we can't laugh about is one of those teams could get the number one pick. Um, I think I'm going to just quote what you told me personally. Y- you'd be pissed. You'd move to lacrosse if Toronto gets number one pick. Yes, I would. Uh, I watched 20 minutes of lacrosse the other day. I'm ready. I'm ready. <laughs> just one final thing. That last second goal from the avalanche Nazim Kadri literally went to the very last millisecond to get that game winning goal. I don't know if you saw that one live, but I had to yell a little bit and kind of compress my, Oh my God feelings. Like, did that really just happen? That was awesome. I didn't get to see it live, but I, I saw all the, the replays and all of the gifts that came out, breaking it down frame by frame. And th- that was just fantastic. I'm always going to root against the Blues anyway, <laughs> no matter what. Um, so that was even better to see that uh, that uh, Colorado got that one. And there's a great picture that shows there's like a series of three or four pictures that yes. show uh, that goal happening and j- just like the instant it goes in the net like you can see the puck like midair you have Kadri like looking elated because he knows it's going in you have a blues player looking like he just saw his soul leave his body because <laughs> of what's happening that was just like a classic like instant classic buzzer beater uh, just just real good to see and you know good for the avalanche yeah it, it is on your twitter and you did retweet it so for those of you that don't know where can everyone find you on the Twitter sphere? I am on Twitter at right said Sarah. That's W R I T E said Sarah with an H and then locked on Kings. If you want to commiserate over uh, bad California hockey and also being temporary uh, or uh, Carolina fans, uh, you can find Locked On Kings at Locked On LA Kings. And the national show is on Twitter at Locked On NHL for all of your big sweeping NHL league news. Oh, what a segue. So over here, I mean, we are temporarily Carolina fans because 
they are super nice. Their their fan base is awesome because now we're getting likes from Hamilton the pig as well. It is inundating my timeline as we speak. <laughs> Not even kidding. As we're recording, we're getting messages. Hamilton the pig. Awesome. Also, I'm temporarily covering the Arizona Coyotes. We still don't have a Coyotes host, so if you guys are Coyotes fans, let us know. Come join the Locked On Network and cover the Arizona Coyotes. They're an up-and-coming team. They're going to be good. They're going to be fun to watch. And also, you can follow me on Twitter at LO underscore Ducks or follow me at StimpyJD and email me. I like getting emails. LockedOnAnaheimDucks at gmail.com. I like emails a lot. I mean, we DM, so you don't have to send me an email, Sarah. It's okay. All right, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what else should I plug? And I'll plug you. Locked on NHL once again. Be sure to listen in. Um, I will be on there for the Monday show, I believe. Yep. Yep. And hear all the latest news on the National Hockey League on Locked on NHL and tell your smart device to play Locked on NHL or Locked on Anaheim Ducks or Locked on Los Angeles Kings. Tell your smart device to play all those shows. You'll be better off for it. <laughs> Sarah, thank you once again for coming on. And I'm sure we'll be chatting throughout the week of all the nonsense going on. Oh, yeah. Got to keep track on all those predictions we made. Yeah, they're not looking too good, are they? Something a little iffy. Yeah, a couple of 12 seeds winning game one. What the hell is going on? Surprise. <laughs> yep. And also be sure to be on the lookout for some more special guests. Jared from Locked on Hurricanes will be coming on later in the week. And Sarah, awesome as always. And I'm sure we'll be chatting again next week after this first round. Most definitely. All right. For Locked on LA Kings and Locked on Anaheim Ducks, this is Jason J.D. Hernandez saying have a great rest of the day. Be nice to everyone. Be kind. And Ducks fly together. Ducks fly together.